Welcome to the Wow Community Jokes. Welcome back to our series, Seize the 167, Learning to Follow Jesus Every Hour of the Week as we're journeying through the book of Acts. Uh, last week, we took uh, time to step outside of it in order to, to celebrate Easter, to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. But uh, the funny thing is, is the resurrection is what's at the heart of the book of Acts. Uh, the resurrection of Jesus is what transforms their life. They've been given the spirit and that begins forming and shaping and informing their lives as they seek to live out this new life with Jesus as the true king of the world. And we're going to be picking up and continuing on in that series and continue celebrating the risen uh, Jesus. So what caught my attention though last week was as we actually stepped outside and we went to the Gospel of Matthew and we looked at Matthew 28 and we looked at the resurrection story as the women came to the, the tomb. And, and verse 2 to 3 reads this. It says, Suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone and sat on it. His face shone like lightning and his clothes, clothing was as white as snow. What's so interesting here is that in the text we're going to read tonight in Acts chapter 6, we're going to be looking at verses 8 to 15, we're going to see a man named Stephen, and he's standing before the high council, and they're all going to be staring at him. Why? It's because his face became as bright as an angel's. And it just hit me. I, I saw that connection last week, because I'd been preparing for this week, and, and I suddenly realized that this resurrection narrative has the same description. And it, it made me think of this question. Does my face glow? And I want to ask that question tonight to you. Does your face glow? And how do we cultivate this light or this illuminating spirit that's within us, especially in the midst of these crazy, difficult, scary, and strange times? So if you have your Bible with me, uh, if you have your Bible or your Bible app, turn with me to Acts chapter 6. We're going to be looking at verses 8 to 15. Again, if you need the Bible app, go to the bible.com slash app, and that will bring it right down onto your device. Um, but read with me, Acts chapter 6, starting in verse 8. Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed amazing miracles and signs among the people. But one day, some men from the synagogue of freed slaves, as it was called, started to debate with him. They were Jews from Cyrene, Alexandria, Cilicia, and the province of Asia. None of them could stand against the wisdom and the spirit with which Stephen spoke. So they persuaded some men to lie about Stephen, saying, We heard him blaspheme Moses and even God. This roused the people, the elders, and the teachers of religious law. So they arrested Stephen and brought him before the high council. The lying witnesses said, This man is always speaking against the holy temple and against the law of Moses. We've heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy the temple and change the customs Moses handed down to us. At this point, everyone in the high council stared at Stephen because his face became as bright as an angel's. Does your face glow? I, I love this description of Stephen at this point. 
Because while we don't know exactly what this means, what, what it might have looked like, how they knew what an angel's face necessarily looked at like, or if this was just an idiom in Luke's writing, I believe the heart of it, though, shows us that he was glowing with divine presence. He had this radiance about him. In verse 8, we see that he's a man full of God's grace and power. And earlier in chapter 6, we were told that he's a man that's been filled with the Holy Spirit. He carries with him this divine presence. But what's also interesting is that this isn't the first time or the only time that this has been described in this way. This is actually alluding all the way back to Exodus with Moses. In Exodus 34, 29, you have Moses coming down from Mount Sinai with the Ten Commandments. It says, when Moses came down Mount Sinai carrying the two stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant, he wasn't aware that his face had become radiant because he had spoken to the Lord. And then the same description is of Jesus in Luke 9, 29. It says, as Jesus was praying, the appearance of his face was transformed and his clothes became dazzling white. In John's vision in Revelation, Revelation 1, starting in verse 12, uh, it, it describes someone like the son of man. And it says this in verse 16, and his face was like the sun in all its brilliance. And then in the apocryphal writings, you have Polycarp and Paul who are described this way. But here we have Stephen standing before the high council and they're all in awe and they're staring at his face. And what's even more interesting, and we're going to dig deeper into this next week as we go through Stephen's speech that he's about to give them. But they were accusing Stephen of speaking against Moses. Against Moses. They, they were accusing him of speaking against God. Yet the way Luke is describing him to us is that he was bearing the mark of having been with God. Is, isn't this mind-blowing? Like These guys who are supposed to know God, these guys who are supposed to know the scriptures, are missing the fact that this man was radiating with the glow of God. This man who they're saying he's speaking against Moses is actually, his face is illuminated just like Moses was after having been in the presence of God. But all they could see was that Stephen was a threat. He was a threat to their way of life. He was a threat to the system. He was a threat to their power structures. So another way of putting it is that these religious leaders seemed like they had it all together seemed like they were doing the right thing, but Stephen simply knew it. He knew in his being who he was. He, he knew in his being who he was in Jesus and the power that he had through the Holy Spirit. Stephen and his entire being had been transformed by the resurrected Jesus, whereas the religious leaders, they were simply doing their best to maintain a facade. They were, they were trying to, to keep a hold of their power, their systems, their ways of doing things. But you see, there's this old Latin phrase that dates back to around the same time Jesus walked the earth. And translated, it says, to be rather than to seem. You see, there's a major difference between the two, between seeming and being. And more often than I'd like to admit, I try to pass off seeming as being. Let me explain. 
seeming is what happens when we start kind of looking to our left, looking to our right, looking over our shoulders at other people, wondering if we should change ourselves in order to be something we believe we're supposed to be. I, I hear this a lot with people who come to church for the first time or haven't been in a while. Like, I wasn't sure how I should dress or I, I, I feel like I need to have it all together. No. Seeming is carefully arranging kind of our messy homes before taking the Instagram pic in order to show our messy life. Kind of like arrange your books just so and you're like, oh, look how messy it is. But meanwhile, you've perfected that messiness. Or seeming is rolling your eyes as you obey. Oh, yeah. Seeming is the simple response. Yeah, I'm doing great. When someone asks how you're doing while you're desperately hurting on the inside. Seeming can even be wearing your Sunday best in order to hide pain and brokenness of your life falling apart all around you or within you. You see, seeming is a facade and it will fall apart. It always falls apart. But being, there's beauty in being. Because being has a lot to do with experiencing things as they truly are. Finding yourself fully present and aware and honest about these things, about the good, the bad, and the ugly. You see, we often refer to this, this quality of being as someone who's authentic. And if you're like me, man, we crave authenticity. But we're often unsure of how to kind of balance being vulnerable while keeping up with appearances. But here's a quick spoiler alert. You can't have both. I've tried it. It doesn't work. You see, when we're not comfortable enough to be okay with our mess, we push into that realm of seeming. Like we, we seem to have it all together. So I'm gonna peel back a layer for a minute. This week uh, was hard. Um, I mean hard. After our Easter service, I don't know if I was just trying to hold it together until Easter or if it was our after party Zoom call where I just saw everyone's faces and kids and the excitement and joy that we had connecting with each other. I crashed. Sunday was okay, although I was feeling the, the grief that Saturday night just missing being with you and seeing you and, and being present and shaking hands and hugging. and. And Monday, I just had to be left alone. Like, I went for a drive for hours. I did some reading. I just, I told Amanda, I'm like, I, I just can't be around anyone right now. Even though I was longing to be in our community. But I just had to work through this grief. And every day this week, it has been hard for me to get out of bed. It's been hard for me to stay awake more than a couple hours without napping. It's been hard for me to get out of sweats. This might be the first time I'm actually out of sweats this week. I just miss things. I miss the regular rhythms. I miss going to Starbucks and having a hot cup of coffee that someone else made for me. And I just miss high-fiving friends. I don't even know how often I did that, but I just miss it, okay? <laughs> it made it so hard to even pick up the phone this week. And even to reply to a text, it just took so much energy out of me. So if you're sitting here watching tonight saying, Kevin never responded to a text, I, I'm sorry. 
But I share this with you, not for you to feel bad for me, not for you to feel sorry for me, although I will accept all the prayers that I can get. But I share this with you because I want to live into my being. I don't want to seem like I have it all together because I am journeying this same path with you guys. To be is far less glamorous than to seem. But I also believe it's this precious gift that we can behold. You see, I know that who I am isn't defined by the mess. It's not defined by the struggles. It's not defined by my desire to stay in bed and stay in my sweats for the day. Although there are cautionary flags, I'm sure, around some of those things. But you see, what I was reminded of this week is that who I am is defined by the person and the presence of Jesus. You see, I'm a child of God. I am loved. I am worthy. I am valuable. I am not alone. And it's not because there's anything special about me, but it's because of the love and the grace of Jesus. And the best news that I can share is that the same is true for you that you are loved, you are valuable, you are not alone because of the love and grace of Jesus. At the end of the day, when we can let ourselves be known, I believe it just brings us comfort because we've allowed, we've allowed it to refocus that muddled sigh into a clearer vision of the kingdom and the presence of God right here, right now. You see, the kingdom of God is everything that's under the rule of God as our king. And it's more than just this physical created place. It's this spiritual reality that's at work among us, that, that's governed by God's values, his leadership, his intentions. God's kingdom it's something that's both here and still to come. And the presence of God is the reality that what happens when we encounter the living God. It, it's his nearness. It's physically, spiritually, and otherwise that nearness that he is with us. You see, God's character and his presence may sometimes be felt and we just know God is with me. And sometimes they're unfelt. But our own understanding of whether he's with us or not does not and cannot change the reality of his nearness and his being. It's who he is. And of course, our understanding is limited. We won't grasp all of this some days more than others. But we have to continue to seek to try to understand it because the kingdom of God and his presence changes, influences, and defines everything. It, it radically changes how we view the day, how we see circumstances. When we recognize them for what they are, we realize that God is in every space waiting to be seen and embraced. And this is what I truly believe that Stephen knew as he stood before the high council. You see, they had already been warned several times in front of the high council and now he's being called again. But he knew who he was in light of who Jesus is. 
He knew that he didn't have to pretend, he didn't have to seem, he didn't have to keep up the facade. He simply knew how to live into his being in this deep way. And I find it compelling, is it not? People who know how to, how to just be who they are and to, to live into that in light of who they are, don't they just draw us in? Like, you just want to understand them. They, they have this radiance about them. And you're like, man, how, how do you do that? They, they make you want to be in a genuine way, not just seem like you're the real deal. And it doesn't mean that they do everything effortlessly. I, I would actually get, guess the quite, quite opposite, that they've put a great deal of effort into growing learning and cultivating this quality of being with humility and in the presence of Jesus. You see, Stephen shows us that this is cultivated by being filled with the Holy Spirit and spending time in the presence of Jesus. And at the end of the day, we have to acknowledge, though, that there's a tension. We have to accept that there's this dichotomy and this tension between our faith and our experiences. In fact, author and scholar Willie Jennings writes, the church was born in the tight space between faith and fear and forever lives in that space. Only the Holy Spirit keeps that space from collapsing in on us. I had to read that several times to get my head fully around that. But I love the imagery because it resonates with where I'm at and what I'm experiencing. You see, it articulates the tension that I'm sure we're all wrestling with and have wrestled with, that we not only must live in this space of faith and fear, but we'll continue to live in this space of faith and fear on this side of heaven. You see, too often we make it this either-or situation that has to be one or the other. You have faith or you have fear. But I believe we're invited to step into it as being both and with the help of the Holy Spirit who protects it from collapsing. You see, we can be happy to have time right now with our family and we can be frustrated that we're stuck at home with them. We can be relieved to slow down the pace of life and scared of losing our jobs. We, we can be thankful that we still have a job while also being fearful of having to, to leave the house and to, to go to work, especially for those who are working on the front lines. We can appreciate the abundance that we have around us that, make it, that makes it possible to stay at home with fridges fully stocked. And we can have our hearts break for those who are in poverty, for those who don't have the same luxuries that are afforded to us. We can have hope for the future and for this pandemic to come to an end. And we can struggle and we can grieve the changes and the losses it means for us today and tomorrow. As author Sarah Bessie said during this past Advent, we don't get to have hope without having grief. And in Stephen's situation, his amazing miracles and signs that he was doing that we read in chapter, verse, verse 8 of chapter 6, which I'm sure included acts of healings, brought favor among the people. They were amazed. They were wanting to know more of Jesus. And it brought fierce hostility. 
people who, who oppose Jesus. Again, it's this both and. And you see, Stephen was able to display the evidence of the Spirit, as Paul would later coin them, fruits of the Spirit, while he was being lied about by false witnesses. In other words, I believe we can still be glowing from the presence of God while walking through the darkness. We cultivate and strengthen the light that's within us by staying close to the Father, by being present to God's presence. And I believe that as we spend time in the presence of God, seeking Him, being aware of His presence, we will in turn shine brightly in this community. Our faces will glow, will bring hope and renewal to Binbrook and the communities that we indwell. One of my favorite verses is Psalm 105, verse 4. It reads, Search for the Lord and for his strength. Continually seek him. Or some translations say, seek his face always. Are you making time to seek his face? To seek God's presence in the midst of all that's going on? And if you're struggling and filled with anxiety and fear, ask yourself this simple question. Are you spending more time in, in the world of the news and the media and all that's going on? Or are you spending more time in the presence of Jesus? Let him transform you from the inside out. So let me ask you the same question I asked at the beginning. Does your face glow? Have you spent time with Jesus? Have you been aware of or present to his presence? And sometimes I don't think we realize just how much we, we glow. But just like Moses came down and had no idea about the radiance he had, people saw it. And the same's true for us, for you and I, that when you spend time in the presence of Jesus, people will see it. Your face will glow. So let me encourage you this week, spend time with Jesus in prayer, through reading your Bible, through journaling, through listening to him speak to you as well, because he, he wants to speak to us. And let Jesus continue to invite you to step into your being, who you are. You don't have to try and keep up with the facade of seeming, but who you truly are in light of who he is. Because you know what? I know for a fact through my own personal experience that with Jesus, you will be able to face the day. You will be able to get up out of bed. You will be able to get out of your sweatpants and no matter what the day holds, your face will glow for others to see. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, God, I pray that wherever we find ourselves this evening, that you draw near to us and help us draw near to you. God, I pray that in the days and weeks ahead, we make it a priority to put you first, to, to carve out time in our day. And whether that's 10 minutes in the bathroom hiding from the kids or whether it's 10 minutes before people wake up or whether we have so much time to ourselves, God, we're all facing different realities and circumstances. But I know that we also all need you. 
So help us to start our day with you. Help us to prioritize you and help us to walk away from those times spent with you by being in your presence with our faces glowing, with a transformation that's happening from the inside and moves out. So God, I pray over everyone who calls the well home. I pray for anyone who might be tuning in for the first time and exploring who you are. I pray that we all encounter you in a real way and in a way that leaves us changed. God, we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So thanks again for joining us, um, spending time together with us online. I look forward to continue to connecting in the days and the weeks ahead over Zoom and over different things. We're going to be having a communion again, an after party, the first Saturday in May. Uh, for anyone who's still watching, who's exploring Jesus, good job. Like truly, I mean it. Lean into that. Again, if you want to just comment in the description, like, hey, DM me, I'll follow up with you. Or if you want to reach out to me, I'd love to answer any questions you might have. Um, the number on our website is my cell phone number, so feel free to call it and text it, and I will try and reply as soon as I can. Um, but for now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen.